Figures in the darkness, more and more of them now, in front, behind, crossing over the bridges from south of the river, all walking in the same direction, west. A stream of Dubliners moved along with him, flowing in the opposite direction to the Liffey, growing at every tributary junction that fed into the quays. Men and women on their own, quiet and purposeful, couples, old and young, silent and garrulous, some holding hands like lovers, and some oblivious of one another. Families pushing prams and pulling stubborn toddlers, while youngsters of every age raced in and out of the throng with growing excitement. There were young men who walked in quiet, sober groups, some fingering a rosary, and others full of raucous good humour, women and girls, arm in arm, in lines across the street, gossiping and giggling as eager, teasing, endless words tumbled out of their mouths. Occasionally, the whole population of a side street, decorated with flowers and banners, erupted out to join the flow of people moving towards the Phoenix Park. Vincent Walsh glanced back to see the first pink glow behind him in the sky. The new day was coming. And it was as if everyone around him had that same thought at once— as if all those footsteps, already full of such happy anticipation, were moving even faster now, more purposefully, more exuberantly forward, to the gates that led into the park. The noise was suddenly much louder. Everyone was talking. The sense of being a part of it all, of belonging to it all, of being absorbed in this hopeful stream of humanity was irresistible. It wasn't something Vincent wanted to resist. He was fighting back tears, even as his face beamed and smiled in response to the joyful faces around him. This was how he wanted to feel. It was how, when this day ended, he knew he could never be allowed to feel. As they all poured through the park gates together, it was quiet again for a moment. Abruptly, the night had opened up around them. Dublin, always so closed and crowding in on itself, was gone. There was only the rhythmic sound of thousands of feet on grass and gravel, and the sight of thousands of shadows amongst the trees of the Phoenix Park. As full daylight came, the tramp of feet and the clamour of voices grew louder. Vincent had tried to sleep, but he didn't really want to. His heart, like everyone else's, was beating to the sound of those feet, and like everyone else, he couldn't tire of simply watching the arriving masses from a stream to a torrent now, melding to form great banks and squares of humanity as far as the eye could see. By eight o'clock the cars and the coaches were coming too, from every corner of Ireland. Someone said there must be a million already, a million people there to bear witness to the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Someone said the Eucharistic Congress was the final victory for Ireland, after hundreds of years of faith in the face of persecution flight and famine. Someone said, and at some length, that for anyone who thought there was no such thing as democracy, here was enough real democracy to right the whole shipwreck of the world. Someone said even the angels looking down from the gold bar of heaven could see them there. Someone said it was the greatest loudspeaker system the earth had ever known, stretching fifteen miles through the park and into the city. Someone else said the angels should have no trouble hearing so and in front of the crowd, close to where Vincent was sitting, was the high altar that would be the focus of a million devoted faces that day. It shone in the morning sunlight, 
radiantly white against the dark phalanxes of the fateful. With its two great arms of pillared colonnades, echoing the colonnades of St. Peter's in Rome, reaching out to hold a million people in a joyful embrace. There really was no plan. He knew the block of seats where the priest would be giving communion. They'd talked about it weeks before, the last time they'd been together. They had talked about everything that night, everything that mattered to them, everything they felt passionate about, everything they'd ever dreamed about. Vincent had never felt closer to anyone. He had never felt such belonging. He had never felt such an all-possessing love. The priest didn't meet him the next day, or the next, or the next. He promised he'd be there, waiting in his car in Smithfield, but he didn't come. There'd been no more letters, but it was understandable. The Eucharistic Congress meant so much work for any priest.